Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. 770 CHQR. I'm Zach in for Rob Breckenridge. It's 234. Um, our earlier conversation about driving and being high. Uh, not that I want to really go backwards in time, but I kind of want to go backwards in time. Um, in an effort, like I did say to you, that we are going to try to fit this in so we can continue to dig into the topic, I think that that's what we're going to do right now. Um, and the way that I want to talk about that is we did speak about impairment and what is impairment. And impairment, how does that affect, you know, driving? And, and how do we define that? Because just because there is no law at least define what the penalty or how it's defined as, you know, being impaired. Does that mean that driving high is one of those things that um, you can do it because the law doesn't say so. It's kind of like when you're parking. Well, I didn't see a sign, so I parked here. Is that the approach we should take? The one good thing that we did establish earlier on, that impairment by definition, the state or fact of being impaired, especially in, in a specified faculty, the thought degree of physical or mental impairment. Something has changed in physiology. So why not get the perspective of somebody who spends an awful lot of time dealing with impairment in general? Now, we did speak of it from the perspective of distracted driving in your phone. That's impairment. And we did speak of it from the perspective of alcohol. And, of course, the conversation about marijuana and impairment. Andrew Marie, CEO, Mad Canada. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate the short notice and help today. Uh, our conversation earlier on really inspired this piece to talk about impairment and where does it go um, and how far does it go and what are we looking forward to? Because it did come down to that point of when you're in the moment of consuming is not the time to be making the decision. And how does that get determined? So maybe, Andrew, you can share where where does driving high and impairment and all of these things step into this? Because I know that Mad's perspective is uh, zero impairment is probably the best way. Well, it's always the safest way to drive under no influence. But um, so to start with a regular cannabis user um, who hasn't overdone it, Probably after you should wait about four hours before even consider driving. There's nothing magical about that four, but that's the time you could assess your situation. And if you think that uh, you need a bit more time, wait a couple more hours. Um, this doesn't apply to everyone, um, but it's a guideline and it's much more complex with a drug like cannabis because it's it's not like alcohol where you have a standard drink, you have a body weight and you have a gender and then you can do a, a calculation. Um, 
cannabis has to be done with a little bit more caution as far as the time frame, though cannabis dissipates, leaves the body a lot quicker than alcohol. But if you mix the two, then the alcohol rules apply. So what is that measurement or how is it that a group like MAD who stands up for all of this, um, how do you how do you approach that, Andrew, and go to the, you know, dealing with, because I know you guys deal with so many of the groups and, and including policing of this, you know, where, where does that measurement start to settle in? So, for example, we know that um, after you use cannabis, your peak elevation of the psychoactive Delta-9 part uh, is about 30 minutes after smoking, not eating it, because, again, different rules for eating cannabis. Um, And by about two hours, most of the psychoactive ingredients has dissipated from the body, but not to a safe level for any kind of activity which requires all your faculties and skills like driving. And that's why the extra two hours. The other piece is when you look at crash data and what the level of THC in the body at time of crash, it seems that five nanograms and above seems to be a very elevated level where the likelihood of the crash increases. So there's kind of where the time, the dissipation, a bit of the science comes in on the levels. And um, so police, when they test using the new oral fluids, will be measuring impairment at 25 and above. So I think we can reasonably assure that anybody that's being charged at roadside is at a serious elevated level, should never be driving in that. And the consequences is we're going to miss a lot of people in between the 5 and the 25. It seems like, I guess... We always apply our own scope of numbers, don't we? And that seems like a big, grand area, but at the same time, you know, it is, it is, it is different. Ideally, if you could write this without the balance of trying to figure out this versus that and consuming this way and consuming that way, you know, ideally, what, what do you want to see, Andrew? Well, what we want to do is, um, well, I, I think it goes to, it's not so much what MAD wants to do, it's what the public wants to do. So the public... The people that want to consume cannabis and want to do it responsible want to know a reasonable time frame before driving. And that's what we're trying to get at in a reasonable fashion. Because if you just say don't, they're not going to listen to that. So it has to be messaging that resonates with them in a time frame, resonates with them how they use cannabis and how they feel after that time frame. Has there been conversation, Andrew, with the different... um regulations of what is a retail store that they have to have something like this descriptor you know posted inside the store for the people who you know don't want to or don't know but perhaps you know think about this and don't have that answer they can be referred to that quickly um hopefully in time we we really don't know what the retail environment's going to look like because you know they haven't started selling cannabis and there's a real difference between you know, we're going to have two types of stores across Canada, both private and public, and how they approach it is going to basically depend on 
you know, the operator. I mean, hopefully, you know, the ones that are run by government are much more, um, you know, like alcohol would give out a lot more information on safety and those types of things. And, you know, we hope that the public store, I mean, the private stores will follow that model as well. So we really don't know um, what the retailers are going to do. I mean, their responsibility under the law is two basic things, not to sell to minors, and not to sell to people who appear to be intoxicated. And so there's no magical number, but with driving in the criminal code, there's now numbers attached, like alcohol, uh, there's numbers attached to what's considered impaired. Do you worry, does MAD worry, or do you worry, I guess you can answer that from whichever context fits you best, that come October there will be a spike or a supernova of crashes and impaired driving, and this is about to get worse before it gets better? Is that a part of the conversation? Well, we know now that the rates of people using cannabis and driving double what alcohol is like today. Mm. Um, And that we also know that the police don't have the same tools and measurement ability that they do for alcohol. That will improve over time, so we're headed in the right direction. Um, And we're going to be really dependent um, on the public come October 17th to kind of use their best judgment and not make this a policing function, but a behavioral function which you know, as we legalize cannabis, you know, our hope is people use it in a responsible way. Well, isn't that the best way to try to make a difference too, right? Is everyone be aware? So just to clarify one thing, you said that the suggestion anyway that exists today is that if you're consuming cannabis in an edible, it's a couple extra hours of time versus the smoking or? Yeah, minimum, minimum. And minimum. Yeah, and, and you know, we're going to have to see a lot more um, evidence on edibles um, as they come legal in 2019, mm. and you know what the you know again going back to the science and you know if somebody eats a product at a certain THC level, how long does that take to get in the body and dissipate? Um, and then we need to adjust those numbers accordingly. I mean, right now they're saying an extra two hours, but we want to make sure that the science is really clear on that as well. Andrew Marie, CEO, Mad Canada. Thank you for your time to help us out with this conversation today. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you go. There is the addressing the part of it. It sounds like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's what it sounds like to me. What do you think? 974-8255-974-TALK. we got more of your thoughts coming up. 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.